So when you get 500 views, we never really associated with people. We just look at it as a number and we compare it ourselves to other people that are getting yeah. millions of views. But like, for example, even just for me, sometimes I feel like, gosh, I only got 10,000 views. Like that's nothing. 10,000 people in like 10,000 people watches. It's like if I sat and 10,000 people were present yeah. watching this. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Golden Hour Podcast. I'm your host Dave Mays here in the Polar Pro Studio and today's guest is Armando Fiera aka Mondo Bites. Armando has been a YouTube creator for several years now and got his start reviewing tech products. Starting with a viral video that led his channel to success allowing him to make a full-time living doing YouTube content. A couple of years ago Armando made a big decision to change the content of his channel from consumer technology to filmmaking. Now Armando makes tutorials, reviews, and content about cameras, filmmaking, and all sorts of fun goodness in that niche. In our conversation, we go over how to get started as a YouTuber from scratch, what it's like to be in this industry, and some of the challenges that he's faced along the way. Before we get started, if you could please leave a review and a rating in the iTunes podcast player, that really helps grow this podcast and get it out there for more people who may be interested. Without any further ado, let's listen in on my interview with Armando. All right, so we're here with Mr. Armando Fiera, aka Mondo Bites, aka my friend. <laughs> and uh, thank you so much for coming down, doing the podcast. Thanks for the invite, man. <laughs> <laughs> so for anybody who isn't aware, Armando is, he is a good friend of mine, but he's also a fellow YouTuber creator. But you've been doing this for a while now, much longer than I have. Got a huge audience of how many subscribers now? I think it's like 415 now. It's incredible. <laughs> How's that feel? Feels good, man. Feels <laughs> good. I've been doing it for a long time now, nine years. You're going to hit half a million before you know it. I'm excited about that. It's amazing, man. Um, so we're going to talk all about how you get started, how your career is progressed and all that. But uh, but first, let's get to know you as a dude, Armando. You've got a wife and a family. Tell me about that. So I got wife, three kids, um, no dog. <laughs> <laughs> no dog. Yeah, we talked about like that. I that's like the perfect family. You know? Yeah, yeah. That was yeah. fine. <laughs> but yeah, we had a dog. We had to get rid of the dog when we had the kids. And um, it was just, it's too much. Weren't we just talking about how similar our lives are? That's yes. exactly what happened. I, I had to get rid of the dog. It's really oh sad, gosh. but the dog's in a better place. Not dead, but like she's <laughs> she's with a family that like is pouring all of her their attention onto her, you know? So That's exactly. Sometimes you got to make those decisions. Maybe when your kids are older, you can get, uh, get another dog. That's the plan. <laughs> <laughs> but um, your journey through YouTube is really fascinating it's really interesting and I'd love to start there um, talking about your first video your viral success and uh, how you've begun to transition into now being one of the biggest you know filmmaking youtubers on on the platform you're really talking about kind of filmmaking in the indie kind of world but also the YouTube world as well um, but tell me about your first kind of experience in the YouTube well thanks man um, I started YouTube nine years ago, and I did a video called Android versus iOS. So at the time, you know, iPhone was a really big deal. I mean, it still is, but yeah. it was like really big. I mean, Android was just coming coming up in the world. Yeah. And I was only using Android phones. I didn't even know what an iPhone really was. Mm -hmm. It wasn't really too much into tech. But everybody kept saying, you use an Android phone. Why are you using an Android phone? iPhone is so much better. And I got caught up in that peer pressure. Uh -huh. I finally bought an iPhone. It was the iPhone 4S. Wow. Mind you, that's how long yeah. it's been. Yeah. And 
It's a good bought, phone. Yeah, it's, no, it's a pretty good phone. And I bought the phone and it felt dumb to me. Mm-hmm. It was like, what are people talking about? This thing is like, yeah. it's not intuitive at all. <laughs> so I kept having arguments online. You know how that is. Yeah, you know, yeah. online, especially like, you know, back in the day, it was more forums. Facebook. Yes, forums. Yeah. Exactly, forums. Everybody was saying how iPhone was better and Android uh-huh. was just sucky. So I, what I did was I made a video called Android versus iOS. And I literally compared them, apples to apples, no pun intended. Yeah. And I, and I did, okay, here's, here's an iPhone and here's an Android phone. So one of the first tests that I did was if I was browsing, let's say I was looking to find a restaurant to go eat dinner. I found the restaurant. I'm on the website. I want to navigate there. Okay, how do I do it on an Android phone? So on an Android phone, I just literally push on the address it loads up Google Maps mm-hmm. and I just push on navigation and I'm there. Mm-hmm. So how do you do that on an iPhone? Okay. In so 2009. Exactly. In 2009. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you. So you have to push down on the screen and then you have to wait and then it highlights the uh, address. You hit copy, you push on the home button, you load up Google Maps or uh, yeah, I guess it was Google Maps still back then. Uh-huh. And then you hold down, you push paste. I mean, it was like seven steps. Yeah. So I literally did that comparison doing, you know, multiple different things. Similar things to show off how exactly. much easier Android was. And I just said, guys, what are you talking about? You're yeah. saying iPhone is so much, this is dumb. Like, yeah. <laughs> so that video went viral. Ah. So a friend of mine said, hey, you know you can monetize and make money off of that. And I'm like, really? He goes, yeah, I have a video where I detail cars. Mm-hmm. And well, he actually has only one video where he showed how to detail a car. He goes, I make 50 bucks a month. Wow. I was yeah. like, oh, that's pretty cool. I mean, at the time, <laughs> I thought, well, you know, 50 bucks, I can pay my, you know, direct TV bill or something like that. Yeah, it's free money. Exactly, yeah. free money. He's like, and I'm like, how do you do it? He goes, just go into settings and you become a partner. So the funny thing is when I applied to become a partner, I didn't know this, by the way, the week before they had just opened it up to everyone. Mm. I don't know if you remember, you had to wait, like there was a, a process, you had, you had to yeah. have like 10,000 subscribers and there, you mm-hmm. know, there was like a thing. Well, I got lucky because when I did it, I didn't even know this, they opened the partnership to everybody. Wow. So I got accepted, didn't really care too much about it. And people kept asking, do more videos. I want to see more comparisons. Yeah. So in a month, I did three videos. I didn't feel like it was a lot. I get a check in the mail, open it up. It's from Google. I even forgot about this. I'm like, Google? I thought it was like propaganda or something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just open it up, and it's a check for $832. Oh, something my God. That was your first check? That was my very first wow. check. Wow. I still have it. Luckily, at that time, we were able to deposit checks by using the app. Yeah. And I just felt like this is something special. Like There's something big about this. I'm going to save this check. Yeah. So I took a picture, deposited it, and I saved it because I felt like there was something big here. And I thought to myself, wow, I made this much money for three videos? Uh-huh. There's, There's got to be, you know, this is, this is impressive. Now, mind you, I had my own business at the time. I was a web developer. I had my own company. Mm-hmm. Um, I was doing very well for myself. So next month rolls around. Mind you, I'm only doing like one video a week. Yeah. And the check is about for like $980. Yeah. And it progressively got better every month by about $100 or so. Wow. Now, this was, I want to say, May of 2012. By the end of that year cycle, mind you, it wasn't a full year cycle, so I started in May. By the end of that year, it was December, mm-hmm. I was making about $3,500 to $4,000 a month. It's insane. From AdSense. Wow. Now, for those of you that are listening, it's much harder to make money now. So don't yes. feel like, oh my gosh, YouTube is amazing. I'm going to go quit my day job. Because yeah. it's not like that anymore. <laughs> those were like the good times. Yeah, the best know? month that I ever had, we had like a million views that month. And I think that equated to about $3,000. Right. So, um, things have changed a little bit but 
that is amazing story. Yeah. I mean, what were you thinking? Because you were running another business on the side. You've worked your whole life, your career to be a web developer. And then you just kind of like haphazardly make this video. And now you're making some serious coin on that, not even a year later. What were you thinking? What was in your head at that moment? Well, the first thought was, cool, with $800, I can buy a nice car. That was like the first, <laughs> that's like a nice car payment, right? Yeah. And then as it started getting more and more, like when we hit that $1,500 mark, even 2000 second thing was like, whoa, that's a house payment. You know, and then it's just started getting more. And then I just started thinking this again, this could get really big. Now, at the end of that year cycle, remember, that's December. We now roll into CES. Mm -hmm. And then I started meeting other creators Mm -hmm. and we start talking and they say, you know, we start talking about like just sponsorship deals at the time. I did not know what sponsorship was. Well, 2012, it was still all new, right. very, very new. So I don't want to mention any names, but they were like, hey, did you hear so-and-so made $45,000 a month? Oh my And gosh, I'm thinking yeah. to myself, what, 45, doing what? Sponsorship deals. What do you mean sponsorship deals? Armando, you don't do sponsorship deals? What is a sponsor? Like, they, you know, yeah. you get emails, right? Of people yeah, yeah. wanting to, for you to review products or do, I'm like, yeah, well, then they started explaining like what sponsorship, you know, really is and what it entails. So I started going down that route where I started now accepting sponsorship and that just opened up a whole new uh, income stream for me that was just mind blowing. Wow. And, you know, you're talking about making good money. Yeah. But the funny thing is because AdSense started going down, mm-hmm. it kind of leveled itself out. So mm-hmm. AdSense money was going down as we all know with yeah. you know, Adpocalypse and all that. Yeah. But then my sponsorship income started rising mm-hmm. and then of course i learned about affiliate income and all yeah that stuff, but. which you're kind of the master at affiliate <laughs> uh, anytime that i talk to people about affiliates I say my buddy armando told me to do this and like you know yeah so we could talk about all that nerdy stuff but um but basically i just want to get into the whole like mindset of like was there a point there i mean that wasn't even a year it all kind of happened in a year yeah ces and the viral video and stuff and by the way what was what were the numbers on that viral video that first, it was over a million for the oh, first video yeah. that that hit for you and then did you were you able to was that lightning in a bottle or were you able to replicate that again or i think because there was no like algorithm yeah <laughs> and i also feel the space was much smaller yeah and I just feel that it was promoted more. Also understand, and this is an area where I grew really big, was Google+. Plus. Mm. Google+, Plus were, was where all the nerds were. Yeah. You know? So we were all <laughs> hanging out there. In fact, I had a really Especially really the Android-specific people. Yes. Because had, they're Google fans. Right. I had over 100,000 followers there. Oh, and wow. a lot of times, Google+, Plus had this like trending thing. I would trend, you know, MKBHD and I would be trending a lot. Mm -hmm. um, On Google Plus. On Google Plus, right. Uh So a lot of, again, a lot of the nerds were there and I just kind of, I picked up on that (laughs) wave. I got lucky. I'm going to be honest. I really did get lucky. Well, I think all of us are lucky to be born in this time period because... Uh, 50 years ago, if we wanted to be in the video or film space, you'd have to move to Hollywood. You'd have to really climb the ladder, maybe even go to film school. The fact that we can own cameras that fit in our pocket that can shoot a movie is is bananas. And that same camera can connect to the internet and you don't need a producer to... You know, everything about 2019 is real exciting for all creators. But you're thankful and grateful for that exact moment in time that was gifted to you that but you weren't gifted it you worked your butt off like it wasn't <laughs> something that you know 
a lot of people might have had a viral video and then they're like they don't have the drive to do what you did so um but during that year did you stop doing development did you eventually go all in or what was that a slower transition for you to to stop doing your other job yeah so for me the way i looked at it was okay i'm making this much money only putting putting in 20 percent effort yeah imagine if i put 100 Mm percent so i had to make that decision so i literally had a business partner and i sold him the company i said you Mm. know what um i'm just gonna do this full time and i took a took a hit in terms of income but again my mindset was if i dedicate more time Mm -hmm. if i start producing more videos it Mm -hmm. just would make more sense were you married at the time yes i was and kids too or one one kid so you're a new father and uh, what was that conversation like with your your spouse saying I'm gonna quit my job and she's always been supportive that's and great. what's interesting about her is like she she just trusts in, in in me and mm-hmm. I think that's important you have to trust in your spouse you know yeah. and she's never questioned anything and I know for a lot of time for a lot of people at that time period mm-hmm. telling somebody like I'm a youtuber yeah it's like it wasn't even that, it wasn't yeah. even cool then no. it wasn't even a thing you would say no no you would be embarrassed yeah i'm, I'm a filmmaker you know yeah. <laughs> or, or i shoot commercials yeah you, know, you don't want to tell people you're a yeah. youtuber now it's like you want to tell people because that's mm-hmm. like the cool thing to do. yeah it's right. so true because of people like you that right. kind of paved the way um so when did that transition happen? was that a year later was that less than a year later it, like it was, ces time period or? i want to say it was a year and a half later okay yeah so you kind of you did hold on a little bit just to make sure everything was good, and then right. when you felt comfortable with it, but still it was a risk. When I started doing brand deals, is yeah. really when I started to notice. Well, okay. I should really just do this full time. It was taking up more of my time, mm-hmm. and I wasn't really paying attention to the business. And I think it was unfair to my business partner mm-hmm. to not be fully committed. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was just you know I'm gonna do the best thing and I literally sold him the company really cheap I mean it was one of those like I can't say no yeah so I just keep you know made him an offer here buy me out and yeah we're good that's cool so So, again this is 2013 at this point I guess right Um, 2014 ish what was YouTube like back then I mean were you were you gathering a lot of subscribers were your views coming in like crazy was it like what was it like back then I mean it's funny saying back then it was only what's five years ago but uh it's an eternity for uh internet uh stuff um what was going on for your channel when you went full-time did you see a a significant growth i did the first year um i gained 55 over fifty-five thousand subscribers my first year i know this because i made a video about it (laughs) but yeah it was great um i feel like youtube back then was awesome it's just Mm -hmm. i don't know it just it's funny because I realized even like my first year when I had 55,000 subscribers, mm-hmm. I didn't feel like there were like the trolls out there. There was a lot of support even in the community, mm. a lot of great comments. And yeah. now I feel even like startup creators have to face the trolls and all the negativity that comes with the space. Yeah. So it, I feel like it was a much chill back you know time yeah i appreciate it and now i feel like we're all struggling to try to hit numbers mm-hmm. and just even th- the people at the right. top are struggling Absolutely. I, i've had a lot of conversations you know with people who are way high up and they're struggling you know they may have millions of subscribers but their views may be similar to somebody like me or you who have you know not a million you right. know and it's really algorithm it's you know consistency right a lot of math involved that we don't really have control of and and it's 
in a way, it's kind of good that these creators have opened up, the ones mm-hmm. that have a million, because it shows that we are all in the same space. This, we're all feeling the same thing. Because a lot mm-hmm. of times we go through this like creative, I guess, drought where we're just not thinking clearly and yeah. we just feel like, gosh, I'm going to quit. And mm-hmm. believe me, I've thought of that many times. Yeah. <laughs> but then... You know, it's like, well, if I quit, what am I going to do? That's going to pay this much. Money. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't go to school. You know? yeah. It's like, I'm not a doctor. Or anything yeah, like exactly. That, but, um, for me, it was just. So you're trapped. <laughs> I'm trapped. Yeah, I'm trapped. So you go full time. Your wife is fully supportive. You're like on fire, ready to go. But you're not like you didn't go to film school. You don't have this like I was a filmmaker for 10 years. I did freelance, you know, videography, documentaries, wedding films for a decade before I even touched YouTube. So I already had this instant understanding of how to edit, how to shoot, how to color grade, how to frame and things like that. How did you learn how to become a video maker? And I mean, obviously, if you fast forward to five years later now, you're a filmmaker. You're making films. I mean, you made this incredible short film. Uh, I'll link it, you know, in the description. We have uh, with the Z6, you were doing this incredible film. It's a brilliant piece of work, and I love it. Thanks, man. Um, so you're a filmmaker now, but you you didn't start as a filmmaker. At least I don't think you did. I mean, tell me about that journey. So... I was making short films when I was a kid. In okay. fact, I actually have a video on my channel um, called something like How I Made Videos 20 Years Ago. Wow. And it talked about, I used I did short films. In fact, I look back at them and I feel, man, that's pretty good that, <laughs> for that time period. I didn't know that. Yeah, cool. no, I, I shot a lot of short films. Um, I was self-taught, of course, as, I mean, I learn every day we learn something new. Yeah. And... I look back, but even when I look back and watch those videos, I feel like the technique was right. I don't know what it is. It's just like, well, that looks good. And mm. sometimes even better than stuff that I'm doing today. But <laughs> I do that too. I'm like, oh, why was I better six years ago? Right? <laughs> you know why? I'll it's tell you why. Purity. <laughs> no, it's because we care too much about cameras today. Uh, and yeah. we're not really thinking about the creative process. It's right. true, man. It was we more just, intuitive back then. And uh, yeah, I feel like the conversations now are oh what the a7 this what camera are you going to get instead of like hey man let's go out and shoot a film yeah. and i think that noise really mm. you know kills the creativity part so okay so i i hear you know you're a web developer you started comparing tech like mobile phones and stuff my first thought was you weren't necessarily involved in the filmmaking world but you were it was in a just way, a passion. Well, I used to do, I'm sure you know this, flash animations. Oh, yes. So flash animations really taught me about the timeline mm-hmm. because you have keyframes, you have to mm-hmm. animate things. So when I started doing video editing, I thought to myself, whoa, this is just like doing flash. Except in you don't fact, have to do easier. frame by frame. <laughs> exactly. Right, right. Yeah. And do all this other stuff. But no, it was exactly, it was really easy. I went through it very smoothly. Yeah. The transition at least. So you seem like a person who is able to pick up things rather quickly and figure it out. Yeah, I love yeah, that. I was a too. kid that took everything apart. Yeah, know? me too. <laughs> I remember I got my, uh, I got a PlayStation Portable when it first came out and I wanted <laughs> to see how it was made. So I unscrewed everything and desoldered everything <laughs> and then I put it back together <laughs> and it nice. worked. So oh, I was like, sweet. oh, sweet. This is fun. So uh, there's a lot of nerds like us out there. So um, so wh- when did that transition happen from when you were Mondo Bytes to now our Mondo Fiera where you're, you're not necessarily rev- – you do talk about mobile devices as they continue to get better. Uh, I think a lot of our us camera reviewers are going to start having to compare iPhones because, I mean, heck, this iPhone 11 Pro is mind-blowing how good the quality is. I, I've even started to say people are like, what camera should I buy under $1,000? Like iPhone 11. Yep. Like, well, I said camera. I was like, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, it comes with three different lenses. <laughs> yeah, like you literally can't 
buy a point and shoot that looks as good as that. No. I mean, you you do get some benefit with uh, with larger sensor potentially. If even if you just go to a one inch sensor, that right. might be a little bit better than an iPhone in some cases. But for the most part, the computational photography that's happening, especially for video, in my opinion, is unmatched with like a point and shoot. You know, and it's only going to get better. Yeah. I can't wait for iPhone 12, <laughs> but, um, so you did make a transition at some point and I remember discovering you when I was fully in the Canon 1DC 5D world. The first video I ever saw of yours, uh, was you were talking about Canalog on your 5D Mark IV and you're, oh, okay. you're using the Sigma 18 to 35. You're in an old office space that I don't think yeah. you have anymore. No. I think you had a shooter back then too mm -hmm. that you were working with. And uh, that's when I discovered you. So when I discovered you, you were already kind of talking about uh, cameras, but I remember browsing around your channel and seeing tech as well. Like you were doing a lot of laptop and you know tablets and things like that. So when was that transition? What was your journey like with at least the topics that you chose to talk about? So remember I told you that I went through this like creative like drought, I guess you can mm -hmm. call it, where I felt like I was gonna quit. Mm. That literally happened. I was at the verge of just, you know what, this, I just wasn't feeling inspired anymore to do mm -hmm. this and continue. So I told myself, what is it that I love? I love filmmaking. Mm -hmm. The thing is like, I got onto YouTube as almost, not as a joke, but I got lucky. Like I said in the beginning of this, I got really lucky. You're I was trying at to the prove right people place. wrong. Yeah, yeah, I was at the right place at the right time. The thing is, at the time, I didn't want to start a tech channel. It just happened to work for me. Mm -hmm. And that's why I just kept working with it. Mm -hmm. So I told myself, if I want to continue doing YouTube, mm -hmm. I need to continue doing YouTube with something that I am passionate about and I truly mm -hmm. love. Not mm -hmm. that I didn't love tech, but yeah. it wasn't something that if I had to start a channel, I would have done it with tech. Yeah. So I said to myself, I want to do filmmaking. Mm. Now, the reason I didn't create a new channel for it, because you could probably say, well, why didn't you start a new channel is because I put a poll on YouTube and also on Twitter. And I said, I'm starting a filmmaking channel. Should I start a new channel or if I should just continue it with my own channel? And 75% of the people said, Armando, just leave it on the current channel that you're on. That was on Twitter and also on, on YouTube. So oh, both cool. polls literally aligned uh, side by That's side. It was like 75. So I said to myself, okay, I'm going to do sense. it. Makes sense. I mean, I, I consume Jonathan Morrison. I consume MKBHD, uh, Austin Evans, all these guys. And they don't talk about camera gear. But I, I respect them as creators because they do things with such excellence. I, as a filmmaker, creative person, am interested in computers and uh, mobile phones. So it sounds like 75% of your audience, not only were they interested in phones and tech, but they probably also are interested in camera stuff. The sad part, yes, you're right, but YouTube does not like that. See, <laughs> okay. well, because of the whole algorithm, they categorize my channel more as tech. So meaning if I do like Canon C200 or something like that, they don't really promote me as a camera channel. In fact, mm -hmm. if you go to like Social Blade and mm -hmm. you look up my channel, it's categorized as tech. Mm. As if you go to say like Potato Jet or somebody else, their channel category is filmmaking. Okay. And even though I've changed it myself, because I know you can go in the settings and change it yourself, and I've even gone back and changed every video, I've literally categorized every <laughs> video as filmmaking, yeah. they still have me as tech. Mm. So from an algorithm point of view, and hey, that's why- I YouTube uh, engineers, <laughs> let's uh, let's get on that. Exactly. Yeah, no, it's serious. It's, it's one of those things that it annoys me. Yeah. And this is why, I guess I'll just say it now, because it's going to happen. I'm starting a Spanish 
a channel for yeah. filmmaking. Yes, yeah. we've talked about this before. Yes. There's not enough of it out there. No. Um, and you can, you're bilingual, so why not? Yeah, I'm just going to do it. And I figure if I'm already doing, doing it in, in English, it's yeah. not really going to take me that much to do it in Spanish. So. You just shoot it once, one take uh, in English, and then once in Spanish. I actually did a practice run, and I'm a much better in Spanish. Oh, <laughs> really? Not, I don't know why. I just Did you grow up speaking Spanish as your first language? I or? did. I did. Okay. Maybe that's why. So maybe in know. your mind, for some reason, because it was such a formative language for you, it's, it's so natural. It's probably because Do I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care if I miss it. It goes, like, it goes back to the, uh, the younger you, you know? You don't yeah. care because it's, uh, you know... That's the thing. I feel like the success of YouTube is when you don't care. It's like when you start caring. It's like <laughs> it's when it's true. No, it's so yeah, true because yeah, yeah. back then I didn't care. Like, and I, I truly believe that translates. Like, if you're just having fun mm, mm. with it, yeah. people will see that. Oh, dude, this guy's just having fun. He's just like, he doesn't care. He's just, yeah. like, he's a cool dude, right? Yeah. But the, the minute you start to care and the minute you start making it a business, yeah. that's when it just starts to really turn. I don't mm. know. Well, I think for, for same for me. I mean, we were doing, uh, and I say we because I had a guy named Connor McCaskill who worked with me and helped me start Kinotika, who now actually works for you Ouch. out of, um, honestly, out of an amazing opportunity. Like, all seriousness aside, we couldn't afford to, to pay Connor anymore, and you offered to hire him, and we're friends, and it, it worked out. It ended up working out really well. You can't have him back, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, not, there's, like, no hard feelings there at all. In fact, Connor is here. He's behind the camera editing this podcast right now, uh, doing the multicam. This is his last podcast to work with me. Uh, but when we were doing Kinotika, we were doing two videos a week, and it really became... <clears throat> like a job and I began to really uh, not enjoy it and not like it and you know we'd wake up and okay we gotta we gotta talk about this camera I'm like I don't even care about that camera at all right it's like well it's gonna sell like hotcakes because it's in that perfect price point and it's made by Canon it's like okay I guess we gotta make it and sure enough you know it gets 50,000 views in like a couple days and it performs well and get good affiliate off of it because it's $500 and whatever but I just don't care you know and um, I think that there's maturity there uh, because I do have two kids and a wife and like this is what pays my bills so sometimes we have to do things we don't enjoy but ideally in an ideal world you want to do what you love like all day every day it's um, a double-edged sword, man. It is, right? How we, do you how do you deal with that? You know, I've been very blessed that my affiliate income works really well, so I don't have to take on too many sponsorship deals, mm-hmm. really, at all. That's good. Um, and I think that really is helpful because when you can create content that you want and mm-hmm. the affiliate money just kind of rolls in, it's 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 almost like in the background. It's just working, you yeah. know? Um, and Connor and I have these conversations almost every day. It's uh-huh. like, I want to do ads that are integrated, not like dedicated videos. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. I feel like when you do an ad, if it's integrated, you know, you see a lot of this video sponsored by Squarespace. You know, it's yeah, like, yeah. it doesn't take away from the narrative. No, no, like, no. We can be talking about the 1DC and how, you know, it compares to the C200. Yeah. But then it's like, all right, guys, give me 30 seconds, you know, talk about this ad. But it doesn't take away from the video. Yeah. So I feel like, moving forward those are the type of opportunities that i'm looking for Mm -hmm. because i don't feel like that might like the creativity won't just vanish because it's like oh great now i have to do a video of a vacuum (laughs) but you know the thing is like i i i agree with you like we have a family and Mm. sometimes 
you have to look at it that way. Like this is mm-hmm. a job. Yeah. And I'm not and, a solo dude. No, I, you know, no. every, every decision that I make affects my wife, affects right. my children, affects my children's future. Like right. legit, you know, if I choose to not uh, make enough money to live, I mean, that could really right. affect them. So it's true. <laughs> you know, it's true. So, uh, and, but, there's also some some power in that. A lot of my close friends in this industry do have families, and um, some people might say, "How on earth do you do that?" But I also think it gives me a lot of discipline and a lot of focus because when I'm when I'm not with them, I, I need to get my act together and get some work done. You right. Know? And working from home is tough, man. It really is. I can relate. I know (laughs) the struggles. Yeah, especially with a two-year-old and a six-week-old right now. It's very hard for me. So I have to get out of the house to to edit and to shoot and stuff. Dude, but I love your videos, man. Like the one when you were outside. Like, it's so crazy. No, you were outside by the the beach. the loop deck one? Was it? Yeah, yeah, it was a loop deck. Yeah, you had the table out there. Yeah, yeah. I love it because oh, it's thanks, so man. like out there, and it's just like yeah, yeah. that is awesome. That is awesome. <laughs> but in my mind, I'm thinking like, oh my gosh, that like to pull that off, uh-huh. the work that you had to do. It's like, <laughs> it took like, two hours. <laughs> really? Oh, yeah. That's not bad. Because the beach is here, and then the the sidewalk is like right next to it, so we just parked and just walked two feet. So affiliate marketing—that's something that you've brought up multiple times in our interview. It's something that we've talked about one on one before. Can we talk about that? There's yeah. people who listen to the show that are YouTubers, that are uh, influencers, uh, people who want to become that. Let's talk about affiliate. That's one, you know, obviously the main question when you're in a social s- circle with non-YouTubers, uh, say it's a function just for, you know, your neighborhood or w- friends or whatever. And they're like, so what do you do? You go, uh, well, what do you say? You, do you say I'm a, I make videos on the internet or something? Yeah, I, I usually and say And then they're like, that. so how do you make money? That's the number one question. I'm a YouTuber. How do you make money? Yeah. Do, you, do you get paid for the views? That's the number one yep. question. Yep. And I say, yes, but that's, that's not like, that's literally nothing. Like the money that I make off of AdSense is just like filler, like, right. Cool. Extra $500. Yay. You know, it's like not even something that is part of the monthly income that you can rely on really. Um, so let's talk about affiliate money. Cause that's really where I, I think you make, I don't know the majority, but if it's, it's definitely a, a significant amount, how do you set up an affiliate, uh, account? Like what do you recommend? Just Amazon, multiple things. I know you use genius link, right. um, things like that. Let's just talk about it in general. What is it first off? And then how can people start implementing it into their, uh, their work? Yeah. So affiliate income, and it, it, this might surprise a lot of people. You can open up an account to almost any place. Like home Depot has an affiliate income. Really? eBay has an affiliate. Like, no, seriously, like wow. a lot of different places have, and a lot of people don't realize this, but what I try to do with affiliate income is I try to find really good products that are inexpensive that will appeal to a lot of people and they would buy. But the way you open one up is just really simple. Um, I will say that not everybody can open a, open one up because they do have requirements. Mm-hmm. So like, for example, Amazon requires a certain amount of, I believe, sales per month. Mm-hmm. And they also need to, I've done it, so, you got to understand, I did this such a long time that I don't re- don't remember the requirements. Ago, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if what the current requirements are. Mm-hmm. I know that a couple of friends have tried and they're like, yeah, they shut me down after two months because I wasn't hitting, you know, certain yeah. numbers. But yeah, Amazon's a really good one because, I mean, let's face it, a lot of people use Amazon mm-hmm. to buy things. I also use BH Photo as mm-hmm. a secondary. Now you mentioned Genius Link. Uh-huh. So what Genius Link, for those of you that are already part of an affiliate um, 
uh, income or they're already doing affiliate income, what Genius Link allows you to do is um, they'll allow you to, to use one link, but you can make money, you can monetize from different countries. So if you have an Amazon affiliate account, most likely it's probably like a US Amazon affiliate, meaning mm -hmm. if somebody from Canada buys a lens that you recommended, you're not gonna get any commission. So what you need to do is you need to go to Amazon, can, the Canada, Canadian Amazon, and open up an affiliate account through Amazon Canada, and then using that genius link, they have that little code that you put in. Uh -huh. So now if they are in Canada, because it goes based off IP address, mm -hmm. then you'll get credit for that. Nice. So currently I'm doing like Canada, Japan, Australia, Denmark, um, a whole bunch of other countries. <laughs> I can't name them all. Yeah. Um, and the cool thing about that is I was doing already really good Amazon US. And then when I found out about Genius Link, I was like, oh my gosh, I was leaving so much money on the table. You gotta understand, I mean, yeah. that's the beauty of YouTube. And we've talked about this is how this is worldwide. Yeah. You know, people are watching. I mean, somebody could be watching your video from mm -hmm. India. I had a, I was at VidCon this year and a group of Chinese people came up to me and they said, are you Dave Mays? I said, <laughs> nice. are you serious? Really? And they're like, you're, you're big in China. I was like, <laughs> what? They said they pulled up this website that's like a YouTube ripoff site uh -huh. and people are ripping my Kinetika videos and uploading them and they're oh, getting all these man. views in China, but I can't really do anything about it. I mean, and I'm like, I don't, I don't care. I mean, if you're watching it, whatever. Gotta but watermark your stuff. <laughs> I, I guess so. But I thought that was hysterical that there was like two or three people in particular that like actually watched my reviews in China. Uh, so that's just amazing yeah. that the internet, you know, I mean, obviously the internet makes the world so flat in, in some in some ways. Um, and by the way, affiliate, if you're not aware of what, what that even is, it's basically if, if I say, hey, buy this coffee mug, um, I really like it. It's a great coffee mug. Use my link below in the description. You hear this all the time. <laughs> um, and if you actually click that link, basically because I promoted that coffee mug for Amazon, I get a small percentage kind of like a commission. So, uh, you know, Amazon's like, hey, thanks for bringing a customer to us for doing that, we will give you a small commission. And, and what's really cool is that if somebody clicks on that link to buy that lens, but then they end up deciding not to buy the lens because it's too expensive, mm -hmm. but they are already on Amazon and they realize, oh my gosh, I need razor blades instead. Uh -huh. And they buy razor blades, you will get commission off yeah. of those razor blades, <laughs> which is neat because yeah. a lot of times people think like, oh, I'm only gonna make commission if they buy that product. No, mm -hmm. what it what happens, and I'm just explaining this further so for those that don't know, yeah. it what happens is when you click on that link, it drops a cookie on your browser that lives on Amazon, it's 24 hours. On BH Photo, I believe it's 48 hours. Is this, I mean, does this uh, include mobile as well? Yes, yes. Um, and if you buy anything within 24 hours, so you can literally click on the link and then maybe come back six hours later and buy toilet, pa toilet paper or something, yeah. you will still get credit for that. So that's like that's the cool. beauty of it because we all know, and that's why people like, and I recommend to use Amazon is because they sell everything there. Yeah, I think my friend Levi Allen said one time that he got a pretty hefty uh, commission from somebody that bought like a really expensive refrigerator. Ooh. And uh, nice. <laughs> he posts on Twitter, he's like, hey, thanks for whoever clicked on my link and then bought a fridge. Because nice. <laughs> like, that was like, you know, a couple hundred bucks. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and it's really fascinating, you know, that, that's how it works. But um, so yeah, definitely get into affiliate if you haven't already. Um, 
it's actually pretty substantial how much can happen there. I know for, for me, for Kinetika, it's half of the revenue of the mm-hmm. channel. So, And during these holidays, it's all, all obviously a lot better because yeah. everybody goes on this shopping spree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so tell me about, we've, we've uh, talked about the transition to filmmaking. I mean, what was that? Once you actually made the switch, what, what did you see happen with, with your work and with uh, your audience especially? Yeah, so I saw some two things happen that really were major. My views dropped drastically. <laughs> How so? Like hundreds of thousands to... I was averaging, I want to say, between like 50 to 100,000 views per video. On average. Well, on average, mm-hmm. to the point where it was like averaging 10,000 to 20,000 views oh per video. Oh my gosh. But this is the crazy thing. My views dropped, but my affiliate income skyrocketed. And I'm not even exaggerating by like, 10 times wow and i didn't understand that i was thinking to myself why and then i realized why because when i was doing tech stuff how often do you buy a phone how often do you buy a computer i think a normal person every other year exactly if that so when it comes to like technology there's not a lot of affiliate income and be honest i wasn't making a lot you know of affiliate income in in the mobile technology space but in the photography video world, there's a lot of little knickknacks, lens caps. Yeah, this new light is insane. This RGB light. This Polar know. Pro filter. Yes. That's <laughs> you know? right. Nice no, little plug there. Right. And you know, no, that's true. It's 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 crazy. There's a lot of little stuff. There's a lot of innovation happening. Exactly. A lot of, you know, drones. There's a, It's a big space. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's just going to drive sales. So I was okay with that. I mean, obviously it does, you know, you do feel like, gosh, I'm not getting the views that I was getting before, but you are making the money. So from a There's also some great brands out there like uh, yes. that you've worked with in the filmmaking space that are, you know, Nikon, uh, you know, worked right. with you on these films. Um, and Apple probably, w- I mean, sure, we they might have reached out to you or Google. Uh, sure. And I think you have worked with them before. but Not Apple, but Google. But yeah, Google. So, but like, the fact that you know Nikon was willing to to shell out the cash to do the short film and do this contest and all that like it's it's cool stuff that's happening it's, it's in the industry amazing. it's a it's a great niche yeah another thing too is like I look at for example you have these companies like Small HD Teradec mm-hmm. and like yeah. these big filmmaking companies mm-hmm. and I have a relationship with them mm-hmm. I'm gonna tell you I've they're been, American companies yeah and yeah. I never in my mind would have thought oh my gosh this company who supplies camera gear to you know, professional directors, filmmakers. I mean, these guys are making movies and they are contacting me and we're, you know, creating these sponsorship deals. Mm-hmm. It, to me, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. I never would have thought that would have ever happen. And what about your audience reaction and, and the new audience that you've gathered over the last couple of years? What what have you seen there? Um, it's a mixture of, of I, I still think I have some OGs, which shout out to them yeah. for sticking around, you know, and supporting. But I do have a lot of newer creators and, you know, I'm happy. I think at the end of the day, and this is, I mean, this goes for anything that you do. I think as long as you're happy with what you're doing Mm -hmm. and obviously it has to be sustainable, of course, which it is, then you can't really get caught up on numbers as much. I mean, I'm kind of glad and I'm sure you're aware of this, that like Instagram no longer, or at least they're beta testing this mm-hmm. where likes aren't a thing yeah and that's cool i kind of wish youtube was in a way similar like i don't mind having the st- statistics on the back end where you can show a brand mm-hmm. but it just kind of you know imagine if everything was like on an equal level playing field you know yeah. you don't see what they how many views they have because a lot of times i get really bad views but my engagement is crazy like i'll get ten thousand views but i have 500 comments mm-hmm 
and it just seems weird. Like, and I keep asking myself, why do I only have 10,000 views when there's 500 comments? It doesn't make sense when I go back to older videos that have 100,000 views, 500 comments. So yeah. there's something fishy going on. I still yeah. believe that. Like, I feel like <laughs> YouTube is not calculating something correctly or maybe people are using these weird ip you know i don't know maybe there's, there's something weird yeah i mean they might be counting a view like link you have to watch the video longer or something to count as a view whereas maybe just a, a split second view counted back in the day i don't know i don't know either. who knows nobody knows <laughs> no. <And> it's frustrating <laughs> yeah nobody knows anything um so what do you have to say for somebody who uh, you know little little connor let's say uh <laughs> Not our Connor, but another guy named Connor, fresh out of high school, uh, wants to be a YouTuber because that's the thing to be. Uh, he hears all of his friends saying, I want to be a YouTuber. He looks up to Jake and Logan Paul. Should he be a YouTuber? Should he go to college? Should he you know, do something else with his life and not YouTube? <laughs> it's kind of a big general question, but yeah, no. I let's have... let's let's gear it towards filmmaker uh, guys and girls who are interested in filmmaking specifically. Should they pursue freelance uh, filmmaking? Is YouTube an option now? You think for for people who want to be in the indie filmmaking scene? I think if you want to be a filmmaker, filmmaker YouTuber, right? Um, I kind of did this myself. So remember I used to do websites and as I started doing more video production, I started offering video production to these clients mm. and it kind of allowed me to learn more about filmmaking mm -hmm. and the process as I was like, I'm not going to call it a job because it was my business, but as I was working. So I think if you're interested in becoming a creator, I think it's important to possibly, of course you need to make money mm -hmm. is to find a job that allows you to do something like that and learn the process but gives you that freedom and flexibility to also create your own content. So mm -hmm. if you can find that, I think that that's a pretty good happy compromise. Like for example, Connor, um, I encourage him all the time. Like, dude, you should start a channel. Like, yeah. I like his I like his content. I mean, he's he's appeared on mine. You've commented mm -hmm. too. I think he's great. And I've told him, you know, I'll even help you out. I can help you shoot some videos. But I mean, he has that opportunity to do that. And I think. Uh, if somebody's you know out there wanting to be a creator i think that helps a lot because i know yeah. you, we all have to make money yeah of course uh you know for me that was wedding films i did right. hundreds of wedding films but on the side i would do music videos and things i was more passionate about but um, if you don't want to be a doctor or a lawyer or something very niche i don't think you should go yeah. to college i think everybody's path is different and i, I want to just say that out outright that you know everybody can can do whatever they want you know whatever makes them happy at the end of the day i mean if, if you want to go to school and waste all your money and yeah. have a degree that's worthless and you won't use then be my guest well my whole argument <laughs> yeah and that's the thing. kind of a backhanded thing to say but it's like the argument that people have says like i went to school for psychology and it, i don't use it at all but i don't regret spending sixty thousand dollars it's like what do you mean? Of course you do. Like you're trying to justify it right now. <laughs> well, look at it this way. I would not pay for filmmaking school. Mm -hmm. And this is something that I love. Yeah. And it's not because like, I think I'm better or anything. It's just that if I really wanted to learn filmmaking, I'm going to yeah. go out and do it and learn like the real way. Yeah. Trial, trial, trial and error. And, you know, mm -hmm. and also hanging out with, creators and other filmmakers alike location is key exactly yeah. live so. in a town it take that money and go move to la move to right. new york move to even nashville and chicago like these industry towns um when you plant yourself in locations where other people are doing what you want to do you can say hey i'll work for free i'll do this i'll do right. that and then boom now you're in it you know yeah um 
not everybody has that luxury if you don't live in this country but i think if you live in america especially just move to la <laughs> like everybody else yeah. no i'm leaving <laughs> <laughs> are you no you're gonna move to texas like everybody else or yeah, i'm going nashville? to nashville yeah, Nashville. There's so many people moving to Nashville. When, whenever I talk to a, like a local born and raised Californian and I say I'm from Nashville, and they say, why did you move here? You're from Nashville? That's so cool. I'm like, it's not cool. Trust <laughs> me. Trust me. No, it's not cool. The, the land of opportunities here in California, I think. Yeah. Or maybe New York too. Yeah, absolutely. So you, we've, we've brought up your family multiple times. How do you balance that? How do you balance the family work-life dynamic? That's something a lot of people ask. How do you do this? And I, I know for me, it's really a challenge um, because I find that when I am focused on something, it's like all or nothing. And I'm just like so laser focused on that. And unfortunately, in the past, I would even just not be with my wife for two days or something because I'm just like all in on it. And I feel like I've matured a little bit to be able to turn that off. But as a creative entrepreneur in your mind, even if you're at the park playing with your kids, you could be thinking of something, you know, how do you turn that off? How do you balance? Um, that's hard, but turning off is hard. The yeah. Part. Yeah. Cause in my mind, like you said, I'm constantly just thinking of work, 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 but mm -hmm. you know, we all have heard the term time is money, mm -hmm. right? In order to balance for me, hire an editor. <laughs> it's true. Yes. It's true. It, it, I make less, but I'm paying for my time with my family. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. In that, that's, that's the thing. It's like, if you have somebody to help you and I know not everybody has that luxury and it's hard. It really mm -hmm. is like to be in a position to say, I'm going to start hiring staff. Mm -hmm. Um, but you, if you can, that's the way I'm speaking yes, for myself. I agree. Yeah. Is, is high having an editor, uh, work for me has allowed me to well it just has allowed me more time and a shooter that, even if you're doing a tripod thing having somebody behind the camera is so valuable absolutely mm -hmm. like literally yesterday we're setting up a roll and i am answering emails but as i'm answering emails i'm sitting in my a roll spot and connor's like setting everything up yeah. but it, we're like we're both working yeah. you know what i mean mm -hmm. but that takes but that that extra time or that help comes with a cost yeah but it's okay because you're trading you know, yeah. time for money or money for time, whichever one you yeah. prefer, you know? So. so since you've had Connor, have you been able to be with your family more? Have you seen I have, a change I have. there? Now, the funny thing is we have not been progressively making more videos. Like it's actually <laughs> less, uh -huh. but that's okay because yeah. it, it, it's keep, it's kept me sane, I guess. Has your wife been happy with the change? I think so. Yeah. She, I de definitely. <laughs> I mean, we, we hang out more. Good. I mean, we yeah. just went to Legoland like the other that's week. That's awesome. So, yeah. How was Legoland? It was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I've never been. <laughs> definitely for kids. Really? Yeah. That was my first time too. Yeah, I've never been. Yeah, I, I mean, cool. I've been to Disney. I've been to Universal. I've never been to Legoland. Yeah, it's cool. I'm sure I'll go. My my son loves Legos. So. Nice. Yeah, if he loves Legos, he's going to have a blast. Um, so camera gear. Uh, let's nerd out a little bit because we're both yeah. gear nerds. Um, and obviously, this, this might date the podcast. You know, some of the things we're talking about might not be super super relevant sure. uh in a year from now but what's what's something that you're real excited about right now canon c500 yes i knew you'd say that yeah. tell me about your journey into the canon land uh i know that you're a sony to canon guy i, I think no, right? I, I started canon I, so I was Canon, Sony, Canon. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was actually Canon, Sony, Canon, Sony, Canon, or something like that. <laughs> As a lot of us are because yeah. Sony's tech is mind-blowing how good yeah, the is. eye tracking and the whatever. I mean, they're always doing cutting-edge stuff um, except color, color science. But uh, <laughs> their color science is not cutting-edge. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, just tell me about the journey from going from a hybrid camera to a 
proper cinema camera on the C200 to now you're considering <laughs> a real like beastly ridiculous cinema machine the C500 Mark II. Tell me about like why did you choose to go f- from a mirrorless to a or or I guess a DSLR to a for, for cinema. me for me um when I made that transition um at, I had somebody working for me mm-hmm. and then um you know we I bought a house we parted ways he's still a good friend of mine yeah um but we just I just started going solo again so for me as a solo creator I wanted to find the best camera for a solo creator and I feel that a mirrorless camera although they're you know they're inexpensive they're great there's still a lot of stuff that you have to shoehorn in there to make them work. For example, you have to add an external recorder, you have to buy ND filters, and it just, there's a lot of stuff, like a mm-hmm. flip, there's some of them don't come with a flip out display, so you have to run an external monitor. There's yeah. just a lot of components. So I started researching, and I've always been a fan of Canon, of course, so I've always liked the C100, but yeah. Now we live in a four. Well, now it's like AK world. I know. You know. But at the time, it was like, okay, I want a 4K camera for sure. So when the C200 dropped, it really appealed to me because it literally checked all of those marks. You know, it has built-in ND filters. It has the XLR inputs for audio. Right? They're all mm-hmm. built into the camera. You have dual pixel autofocus, which works it's fantastic. Amazing. Right? Yeah. It's a cinema camera where I can hit record and it can record for three hours straight. Great battery life. Um, you know, it just literally checks all those marks. It's an expensive camera, but I, I went into it knowing that, okay, I don't want to buy a camera. This is going to sound funny. I don't want to buy a camera like in fi- until five years later. So uh-huh. this camera is supposed to last me five years. Uh-huh. Funny, that was like a year and a half ago. I don't buy the C500. <laughs> but the thing is like, I wanted this camera to just last. Yeah. You know, I want it to last forever, not forever, but you know, for a long period of time, not make initial investments. Cause I feel a lot of people, okay, I bought the a7 III and then, a year and a half later, oh, I bought the a7 IV. And then, you know, they're just constantly upgrading every two years. I didn't want to go down that rabbit hole. I'm like, yeah. buying this camera, I'm sticking with it, and that's it. And for me, it worked really well. It has a flip-out display. You know, everything. It just it works so well and internal raw, which yes. I love. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, and it, just, it was just a camera. Even today, I'm not selling it or anything. I'm mm. keeping it. It's going to run in uh, conjunction a, with the stuff. A killer B camera, yeah. Yeah, killer B camera because it's such a great camera. Yeah. It works. It's not the best travel camera. That's where, and it's, I don't think the USR is the best travel camera, but that's where that's why I have the R mm-hmm. is because I can take that with me on, you know, if we go to events or anything like that, or if I want a hybrid camera that I can take pictures mm-hmm. of the kids, but it also pairs nicely. You need something to take thumbnails with. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know, right? And it also pairs nicely with the C200. So. Yeah, of course. You got the log, you got the Canon color science, right. all that kind of stuff. So tell me about the C500. What what makes you so excited to get this $15,000 beast? That's just, I, that's like when you, you, you just want a toy. You know? Yeah, yeah, It's yeah. more, it's not that I need it or anything like, I mean, you don't really need a C200 either. Yeah. But it's more of. But it's going to be, I mean, so for people who don't know, it's full frame. Yeah. 6K. Uh, Ibis. 10 bits. 10 bit. <laughs> It's 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 checking. If there were more boxes to check, it checks those also. Okay, so yeah, you said something. Remember so the the, what was it, the VidCon? You did a you did make a f- oh pick, yeah pick the things that you require. The C five hundred hits every single one except portability, I guess. Yeah, but you're right. You're right. Or hybrid. Yeah, the yeah. portability. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So that's what it is. Everything I dislike about the the C two hundred. So when I did my C two hundred review, mm-hmm. it was like. Uh, there's like a couple things I don't like about it. So like I love 95% of it, maybe 90% of it. Mm-hmm. And then there's that 10% I don't like. Mm-hmm. That's where the C500 picks up. It's like it 
it's literally no joke the perfect camera for me uh-huh. like it checks all <laughs> the marks yeah there's not one thing i can say i don't like that I mean, you can't really argue portability. It's a cinema camera. Yeah, it's sure. Just, I mean, that's that's like... And it's on. still small compared to what right. they were 10 years ago. There's yeah. not one thing that I can say I do not like about that camera. <laughs> I, it's true. It's like all the marks. Yeah. It's like an A plus, 100%. Yeah. It's, kind of, it's kind of crazy because, you know, Ari is a company that is still kind of the king of the cinema world. I mean, still. And a lot of the sensors that people are shooting movies on were made, you know, eight years ago. The, the original Ari Alexa... That sensor has been used on the Mini. It's been used on the Amira. It's, it's like been, 12 years, actually. Yeah, so it's the same sensor. They do you know, upgrade the internals a bit to do different things like the up-res and f- faster frame rates and things. But for the most part, like they haven't even touched the sensor. It's the same. It's like mind-blowing. That tells you how freaking good it is, too, yeah. and how reliable they are. But in terms of technology, you know, the C500 is, is going to run circles around the Alexa, but... I guarantee you, people are still going to shoot on Alexa of course. over the uh, the C500, and the Alexa is costing fifty thousand dollars, and the C500 is fifteen or whatever. Right? Actually, a buddy of mine just bought one, and he paid eighty thousand for the LF. Jeez. He gets it next week. Well, I'm, I, I'm thinking about the uh, just the plain old oh, mini, the, the mini. mini. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. But yeah. but yeah, I mean the LF is the LF. is significantly more money. That's that's a new. I think that I believe that's a newer sensor now. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, I wonder if it's all the same now though, because you like out of nowhere. You know, you you start to see the A7 III comes out, and then the Z6, and then the right. you know the S1, and uh, you know all these random cameras like Z camera. Now they have a full frame sensor also, and you know. I think everybody's using the same Sony sensor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just waiting for the perfect mirrorless camera. Like the way I yes. feel about the C500, yes. that's the way I want to feel about a mirrorless It'll camera. It'll happen, yeah. Yeah, I think so. The S1H is pretty darn close. I'm not going to lie. I mean, the S. have you messed with the S1H um, yet? I've seen footage. I've uh, <laughs> not a fan. It still looks like a DSLR to me. Oh, yeah. I mean... Well, it looks like a video camera. In terms of the specs, it's pretty close. No, it's good. It's but yeah, I, I feel you. I'm waiting for the. You just want US, the Canon alternative. The ESR uh, Pro. <laughs> unfortunately, I, I don't see Canon ever doing what Panasonic's done with the S1H with the with an R because they're gonna the, for the mirrorless hybrid world. They're gonna lean. They're still. I feel like they're always gonna have a little bit more of a lean towards the photo side. Yeah. Um, because that's just part of their their blood, and yep. I would even say the majority of their sales are photographers too. Um, so although that one DX Mark III does look pretty cinema heavy, I mean it's got raw, it's got you that's know crazy. some incredible specs. So um, I've had I well, I made a quick video about it on my channel because I'm a huge one DC fan, and a lot of people are like, why would you go back to DSLR? Just don't do it, you know. And I, I sort of agree, but then on the other side, I'm like, yeah, but it's going to be great. Like, mm-hmm. It's going to look awesome. So, I don't know. And I don't know. There's something about DSLRs. I mean, even like the Canon uh, 5D Mark II, mm-hmm. it looks so good. Yeah. Even if you add like Magic Lantern. <laughs> yeah. There's just it's this amazing. like grittiness that almost mm-hmm. looks like film. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Yeah. It, I think it has to do a lot because of that 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 mirror, not because it's mir- – obviously, it's not mirrorless. But yeah. there's something about mirrorless that just – I haven't seen a mirrorless camera that just blew me away. That's, oh my gosh, that looks like true film. Yeah. As opposed to like the older DSLR cameras. And this is why we keep saying our content back in the day looks so much better. <laughs> you know? I, uh, yeah, I mean, it's funny. The The first camera I owned was the Canon 7D, the original. And, that had uh, dual pixel, right? No, no. no. Was it the Mark II then? The Mark II had yeah. it, yeah. But that was years after. Yeah, I was all manual. I had a Z Finder 
nice and I, Zakudo, the, yeah, yeah. And I, I had like a little shoulder brace so i would just go handheld like that and that's how i filmed Wedding everything filmmaker yeah that <laughs> and a uh, monopod you know that stuff was was the money i i think it's crazy that kids are so spoiled now with oh autofocus the golden era bro yeah yeah yeah, yeah. When it, so when it comes to doing this whole thing on the internet, this social media content creator stuff, how valuable is it to you to, to network, to make other, uh, to make friends and, and go to these events? Is it worth spending the money if you live out of state to go to NAB, to fly to Vegas? Is it worth flying to CES? Is it worth going to Sending Gear? Is it worth trying to, you know, go to these YouTube Hangout, Vid Summit, all this kind of stuff to you? Yeah, I think it's worth it if you pre-plan. So before you go, you reach out to creators mm-hmm. and let them know, hey, are you going to be at this event? And let's collaborate. Collaboration is huge. I mean, you and I have collaborated a couple of times, and I have to say, every time we've collab- collaborated, the video have, have yeah. those videos have done really well. We did a one uh, DC video that we I we both kind of took a different angle, but we basically had pretty much the same topic, and both of our videos were featured on Canon Rumors like instantly. You know, right. and it was like, ah, oh, sweet. I I'm riding off of, of your success with your subscribers, but it was my camera, so it was like a win win. Well, <laughs> well, when you brought also that that DJI um, was it the pocket the Osmo yeah. pocket? Yeah, that um, was huge. Yeah, we we. You actually, guys really lifted me up like crazy. I well, only had twenty five thousand subs, and mm. because of you, I got fifty in a month. I think we all lifted each other because I remember it was December. That was the highest growth on my channel, even today. That has no been way. the high. Yeah, same here. Yeah, so I think we we all mutually and Jevin Dovey. Yeah, let's throw thing. him in. He's been a guest on the show. A huge good friend of ours. Right. Yeah. He's awesome. Yeah, but I think we I don't all. Know why grew. I said huge? He's not big. He's like <laughs> he's a fit like guy actually. <laughs> he's, yeah, t- he's tall. He's big. Yeah, he big. It's yeah. not huge. Yeah. <laughs> the bulk. But no, I think, um, I mean, we all grew. And, and I think that was in part of this collaboration. We were all basically um, cross-pollinating, you know, content. And mm-hmm. YouTube loved that. And yeah. I think that's important. So, yeah, to answer your question, if you are going to events like this, take it, take it as, look, I'll be able to meet up with, you know, five creators that normally live all across, you know, the yeah. United States or different parts of the world. Yep. And I have them here in one spot. Yeah. Try and collaborate. I think that's the key because you won't probably get that opportunity to at least have those people mm-hmm. um, there at the same time. I've, I've really found that the community and the friends that I've made over this these last two years have become like these these friends that I have, including you have become some of the best friends I've ever had in my life because we all share this uh, this one specific thing that is so unique like there's really not many people that experience what we experience and it is so enjoyable and so uh, it just feels so good to actually talk about our struggles with other people um, get advice uh, you know you've mentored me and given me some advice because you're way ahead of where I am and all these types of things like it's just so valuable to just even if you hang out with people who aren't at the same level of maybe even lower you know a channel that doesn't have as many views there's still a colleague there's still somebody that you can learn from and and just become friends with dude I've learned stuff from you I mean don't don't think just because like I have more subscribers I can't learn from you <laughs> no seriously like even tips and stuff that you've learned like for yeah. example I remember if I'm not mistaken you had mentioned that you got you had like a little intro I mean I know you had an intro yeah, yeah. and you were looking at your analytics and numbers but see that that's information that you shared with me uh-huh. I mean I learned stuff from you all the time too man so don't feel <laughs> like it's just a one-way road you know no, yeah and well that's, exactly that's the cool yeah. thing about mm-hmm. meeting up with other creators mm-hmm. I think it's awesome because you get to share these ideas and then you go home and reanalyze and say 
maybe I'm not doing this correctly. Yeah. I should be changing my strategy yeah. a bit. So, and it's just, it's just fulfilling to, to hang out have dinner with everybody. Yeah. And you see the faces that you see on the internet that get suggested next to your, next to your videos. And it's right. like, bro, you're crushing it. Your stuff is amazing. You know, or, and like, it just, it's, it's a fun community to be a part of. We got to collaborate again. Oh yeah. I know. December is the big month. Know, let's do something. Should. Let's do it. I've we got should. the Mavic mini. I mean, let's, I don't uh, know, let's you revisit know. our, our path of last year and try to crush that. Get a get higher I know, numbers. Right? Let's bring Jevin back. No, <laughs> let's seriously, do it. let's go back to that the woods up there. <laughs> yeah, let's just recreate the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, is the Osmo Pocket still worth it? I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> In 2019, um, how do you come up with like your titles and thumbnails and all that kind of stuff? I, I asked ever- Connor. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, I'm bad with that. I really, I, it's hard, right? It is really, really hard. Filmmakers don't have to worry about that. Oh my gosh, it's yeah. I don't. I usually try to just brainstorm or, you know, yeah. I bounce ideas and, yeah. um, or I copy others. <laughs> <laughs> what's, what, what's trending now? I, I know. Do this. Um, so how, is this sustainable? Do you think like, like you said, I mean, is YouTube, I guess because of what you said earlier of being an entrepreneur, you're not concerned about whether it's going to be long-term or not, but like, where do you see yourself, you know, five years from now, five, 10 years from now, do you have a, a direction that you're headed that you're trying to achieve through your channel? I, I look at YouTube as real estate. So nice. it's like owning property. That's good. I like yeah. that. Yeah. So, you know, YouTube is like a house. Mm-hmm. Instagram is a house. You got to build them up. You got to build the equity. So for example, if, Let's just say I had a million subscribers on YouTube and a million on Instagram. If YouTube were to die tomorrow, I still have that Instagram and I could still, I mean, there's a lot of people making a lot of money on Instagram. In fact, mm-hmm. I've had brand deals on Instagram and crazy thing is they're actually even better than YouTube. No way. Because, well, because it's like, hey, we're gonna pay, pay you X amount of money and all you have to do is post. Yeah. So think about that for a second. It's yeah. like, oh my gosh, creating a YouTube video, that's a lot of work. Or I could just take a picture of this mug and then get paid, you know what I mean? Shoot, maybe I should switch directions. No, no, well, it's so funny. I've thought about this. I've said, I, I almost want to become more of an... Inst- By the way, I think you're in the right direction with your whole TikTok thing. Oh, yeah. I would build that with Instagram and TikTok, like more of that comedy stuff. I feel, I feel like everything you're saying about the purity of YouTube views in your early days, mm-hmm. I have experienced with TikTok. And you got to keep rolling mm-hmm. with that. Because man. they're not concerned. I heard Gary talk about Gary V talk about this. They're not concerned about money right now. TikTok. Right. They're just trying to grow the platform. So they're incentivizing creators. Hey, hey, creators, get on here. Create, create, create. We'll promote your video a ton. You're like you'll get millions of views. We promise because we just want you to be here. Right. And so like right now, they're not even thinking about the financial aspects yet. Which, you know, for me, it means that I'm not going to make any money from it technically in air quotes. Right. But when they flip that switch and start doing uh, AdSense, when they start doing brand deals, right. all that kind of stuff, like. It could. And you're going to be at the forefront. So, and that's yeah. the thing. There, there's. Oh, I mean, I haven't posted in a month, but I did get a million <laughs> views in a month. So. Oh, dude, congrats, yeah, yeah, yeah. man. That is awesome. I have a lot of friends that have, have done it, and it's nuts. So I have friends in the PR agency, and they, they were telling me even back in the day when there was a, was it Vine? Mm-hmm. They were paying creators. I mean, this is even like a small amount, and they were telling me some crazy numbers, but they were like, oh, yeah, we just paid like so-and-so $80,000 just to show like a Coke bottle on his, in his little. <laughs> just no, to show it? Yeah, just Not to yeah, like, say buy yeah, Coke. Just to have it in the background, wow. and it was like 80 grand. I mean, so think these, about that. These companies like Coke, like Pepsi, uh, and if you want to go in the tech, you know, even Apple and these companies, well, less so Apple, but um, right. <laughs> basically, if you think about, you know, 30, 40 years ago, uh, the way that they would promote things is exactly that. They'd have celebrities, they'd pay celebrities to walk around with whatever that product is. Um, they'd have 
placement in shows and just like when people say i don't want to do this video brought to you by squarespace i'm like dude do you remember watching arthur as a kid remember at the beginning it said this this show is brought to you by juicy juice or like uh have you ever watched an nfl sports uh football game do you see the banners on the side of the uh, the football field by the way the super bowl like they don't need to promote anything they're making millions of dollars but they're still doing it all the movies brand placement yeah in fact i just i just uh Uh, yeah uh the marvel movies so so and so drives up in a in an audi right it's all brand placement why does everybody have audis (laughs) in an apocalyptic world uh well jurassic world Uh jurassic world you have starbucks you have all these these are all brand placement and people don't get that it's like why are you getting mad at me when you go out and watch these movies and (laughs) everything is brand placement yeah i don't know haters (laughs) <laughs> it's those haters but yeah so the the five-year goal or whatever for you is the five-year uh, goal is you, to you built the equity right so you got you remember everything is real estate and then uh, you it's good analogy. you know the the best thing that you can do man and nobody's doing i feel not well i shouldn't say nobody a lot of people are not doing is build a website mm. and have your videos there first like even if it's like a day first or a week first but you want to build that email list Uh because if you have that email list whatever happens you can email them and say hey i've switched to this platform same thing with like instagram that's what i'm saying everything is like real estate so if youtube dies tomorrow you can go on your instagram hey guys so i'm no longer doing youtube videos but i have this thing called you know blah blah blah, whatever we have an exact uh example of that and it's what you said vine right right we had all these viners exactly that as soon as the thing was dead they still have millions of followers right they just they don't just vanish with the app vanishing those people are real people so they're just like hey guys we're on youtube now boom now logan paul gets 10 million subscribers in the fastest that anybody's ever got or it might be jake but one of the two brothers they Mm. got the fastest to 10 million in history because they already had the audience they just moved over to youtube and it worked for them. It worked, yeah. And it's been actually interesting. I don't know if you've been following them, but like Logan especially, it seems like they really have matured. And like I've even heard him say like, dude, I was such an idiot. Like I was so full of myself. Like I made so many mistakes. And I'm I'm thankful for those mistakes because I've learned a lot. You watched the documentary, the boxing one that he I, did? I know, not yet. It was it was actually really good. Yeah. And it, surprisingly, <laughs> I was actually rooting for him, man. Yeah. If you watch that documentary. Respect, he works his butt off. Yeah. Right? If you watch that documentary, it was actually shot really well. Oh, and cool. just like the emotion and how they did it. I mean, yeah, it I'll was, check it out, yeah. like I said, I really felt like at the end of watching that, I was like, I'm, I hope he wins. Like I really do. And I think yeah, like yeah. you said, he matured and you know one thing he kind of put it out there it's like we all make mistakes yeah but he's gonna get scrutinized because he's at the top of the totem pole you sure know what i mean people so, are seeing it yeah yeah a lot so, of kids make mistakes when they're teenagers and nobody knows about it right well then <laughs> we're all hypocrites too you know? i know right so. exactly so there's a lot of people listening here who who hear us kind of bantering and it's fun for us and you know i've been doing this for two three years and i've gathered seventy thousand followers and you know getting views on my channel you've gathered so many followers and thousands thousands of views so people are like that's great guys you make a video and thousands of people watch it i make a video and nobody watches it (laughs) but i feel like i'm making a good piece of work i know in my gut this is a good piece of of content that should be getting more views 
how do I live? How do I, how do I, how do I function as a creative with, when I'm doing things that I know are right, that I feel creatively are inspiring, but I don't get any views, no, no subscribers, no views. I've been doing this for a year now and I'm putting out content every single week. How do I, how do I navigate this? Yeah, that's frustrating. Actually, we were having this conversation, Connor and I, funny enough, he's actually going to be putting out a video. You guys should actually go check that out. Maybe by the yes. time this goes live, it's actually already, you know, live on the YouTube, but check it's his a- video out. But we had this conversation and in that video, I talk about how um, you have to look at it this way because we look at numbers, right? Like mm-hmm. for example, um, oh, I didn't get 10,000 views or 20,000 views, right? But if you think about this for a second, let's say you go in a room with 500 people mm-hmm. and you're talking to 500 people. That's a lot of people, right? Mm-hmm. So when you get 500 views, we never really associated with people. We just look at it as a number and we compare it ourselves to other people that are getting yeah. millions of views. But like, for example, even just for me, sometimes I feel like, gosh, I only got 10,000 views. Like that's nothing. 10,000 people in like 10,000 people watches. It's like if I sat and 10,000 people were present yeah. watching this. That's that insane. Is a lot. It is insane. It's like a Kanye show. Right, right. <laughs> no, people don't put that in perspective. And even sometimes like, for example, like some of our videos, they get like 40, 50,000. That's a stadium. Yeah. A, a stadium. That's a, that's a lot of people. And it you really think is. about like, if you were to charge money, like five bucks per, <laughs> no, per entry, but like, you know, but the, the whole thing is like, we, we never associate a person with that number, you know? Mm-hmm. So for us, we just see these creators like Logan Paul who are getting 10 million and it's like, well, we, I only got a thousand, like I'm never gonna reach that. But think about it, still a thousand people watch that video. You got a thousand people to get their attention, to click on that and watch it. It's mm-hmm. it's when you look at it from that perspective. And then the comments too, right. that, that even, if, if you get 500 comments on a video, right. like you mentioned, you get 10,000 views, but 500 comments, that means that they're even more engaged than somebody just that's a passerby, you know? Right. Like that's, that's a lot of value. 500 people actually would probably pay to see you, you know? Right. No, it's Like true. that's pretty cool. Yeah, it is cool. And <clears throat> sometimes you go to venues where there's somebody speaking and there's probably a hundred people and there's people even walking away. (laughs) And and I'm sure they feel that pressure. Um, We get, we we're lucky that we don't get to see people walking away. We get to edit. Yeah. yeah, We get to, you know, just kind of see, you know, the other side where it's not like, Oh man, they're walking away. They're not watching the whole entire video. But I think, uh, yeah, I think to just look at it that way, there's still people out there. And also the other thing is the beauty of YouTube or just this, process is there's no shelf life mm-hmm. i've had videos and i'm pretty sure you too have had mm-hmm. videos where it just bombed the first three mm-hmm. months four months mm-hmm. and for whatever reason a year later yeah. oh my gosh yeah. how's this video like just blowing up it's like that stupid first video that marquez made like it gets I su- keep getting su- it gets suggested to me it's like nine years ago yeah. like, mkbhd update like 6.0 or something like that <laughs> It's like, what right. the, the algorithm has these weird flukes. Right. That, so think about that for a second. It's like you, you put yeah, something, yeah. it's almost like you're planting a you, seed. You know, Connor and I have a friend, his name is Malachi. He had a video he made, was it like a year ago or something? And just, I don't know where the algorithm just starts suggesting like crazy. Boom. Three million views now. Over three million views. And to think that that could happen and potentially change your life because mm-hmm. that could be the video mm-hmm. that just gets rec- gets you recognition yeah. and subscribers. Mm-hmm. You never know. You and that's know. the thing. Every time, like when I was getting, it was like when I was getting ready to quit, quote unquote quit, like mm-hmm. something similar to that happened to me. Yeah. And it was like, gosh, if I would have actually quit, I would have never seen this spot. Mm-hmm. So 
Moral of the story, don't quit. Uh, Mr. Beast, you know, he's kind of on yeah. top of the world right now. I mean, he was making videos for, I think, a couple of years before anything really happened. And he was doing it consistently, you know, nonstop and uh, very serious about it. And it wasn't until a couple of years after that that he was able to figure out what worked for him. And uh, consistency is king, man. You got you got to stick yeah. to that. And it's hard. It's easier said than done. That's for <laughs> sure. Yeah, me too. I, th I think the problem with us is that we do have an audience and we, we can kind of rely on the fact that if we post something, chances are people are, are going to watch it, uh, at least enough to allow us to continue. Um, I feel like when I was first starting out, I had a little bit more drive to be first, you know, to talk sure. about whatever the new thing is first. I think I've matured a little bit and realized that being first doesn't mean that it's the best. Right. And I don't necessarily want to be the best either. I just want to be doing things that make me fulfilled and happy. And, and it needs to be authentic. Like right. being first sometimes means you got to go really fast, which makes the content not very deep or you water authentic. it down. Yeah. And I think if you just title it first look or something like that, then maybe it's fair to just read the specs and say, you know, here's the specs, here's the camera looks good. I think it might be a good camera. I don't know. Let, we'll see in a couple months what I think, you right. know, like that's fair, yeah. right? That's just to get the news out. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I think uh, one tip that I would give people who are seeing some struggle with their channel is potentially find topics that are trending and you don't have to do this for every video because people might cringe at, at the idea of it but just doing one video a month or something about some sort of popular topic and that allows people to discover your content i think the beauty of being a tech and gear reviewer is people are already automatically searching for those products right <laughs> so we don't really have to do much to get discovered because we're talking about something that is brand new and people are searching for anyways. Right. So any last inspiring words that you'd like to give somebody starting out who who is experiencing what we mentioned maybe earlier or somebody who hasn't even started at all? Just know that we all are on the same ship. We all struggle, um, even big creators. I've heard even Peter McKinnon talk about going through like a creative struggle, not only just him, other creators. So just know that we all go through the same thing. Mm -hmm. One way that has helped me is just literally disconnect from YouTube, Instagram. Mm. So if you want to kind of get back in the groove, honestly, it's the noise that really affects Absolutely. the creativity. So that's the tip that I can give you. And hopefully, you know, that will help a lot because that's what I do. When I just feel like I'm struggling, mm -hmm. I just disconnect, mm -hmm. go hang out with the fam or go do something. But the internet can be very toxic. I completely agree. And I'm, I'm kind of in this weird like state right now. If you have seen my journey on Twitter, I sold my nice phone and I decided to not upgrade my phone. I bought an old iPhone 6S plus. I was on the 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 SE, I couldn't handle that screen. It was ridiculous. <laughs> um, and I deleted all the all the pro apps. I only have the bare minimum. I don't even have access to social media really as much. I have a time limit to I think forty five minutes a day. That's I'm, awesome. I'm allowed, and I I try to <clears throat> try to stay true to that. Obviously, being involved in social media for work, sometimes I have to turn that off and maybe get a little work done on that. But um, I also find myself, okay, instead of me using my phone, let me just pull up my laptop and do it there. It feels more intentional, feels more direct. I, I, don't, I don't fall into the social media trap on my laptop in the mm -hmm. same way I do on my phone for some reason. I think maybe because the, the websites were not engineered and designed to get you hooked on it uh, as much as the phones are. So when I go to youtube.com on my laptop, I feel more 
intentional for some reason. I don't know. Just me. Um, but yeah, by, by downgrading my phone in a way, it's actually helped me be more present at home. I don't want to use the camera on it because it sucks. So I actually use my real camera more often nice. when I'm out and about. I also picked up a broken Pixel 3a um, for $140 on eBay. And the camera on that Pixel is amazing. Uh, and for 130 bucks, I was like, this is better than any point and shoot I could buy for 130 bucks. So yesterday I went on a date night with my wife. I left my iPhone at the house and I brought the Pixel, which doesn't have cell service at all. And I used it as a camera. Uh, you know, Google calendars on it. I've got a little notes app on it. So like any of those like tools that I need to use are there if I need it. But for the most part, it's just a, a tool that I'm using and it's not getting in the way of my life. And, uh, I have two devices now, which is kind of cool having two phones. (laughs) Um, and it feels really dumb because I could just buy an iPhone 11, which has a really good camera and it's an iPhone. Um, but for me right now, I like the idea of, leaving my phone at home and taking a non-phone basically with me, but still sort of having a phone. You don't feel like that itch. Yeah. You know, pull it out and see what's Mm -hmm. going on when you have downtime. Like, Mm -hmm. let's say, you know, she goes somewhere, I don't know, whatever restroom. And then you're like, oh, well, let me see. Let me check up on on Twitter or something. Exactly. Because you don't have cell service. And I think a lot of creatives uh, are getting... Their, their creativity is being stifled by all of this. I think a lot of good creativity comes from boredom and that's how our, our brains are wired. So literally being bored can, can cause your brain to become more creative because you don't want to be bored. So your brain is like, okay, well, I'm working on this one video. What, what about this thing? What about that? You know, what if I did this instead? Or, or your eyeballs can see things in the real world and you're inspired by this tree or this mountain or right. so you see a goofy looking person that makes you think of something like you never know you know like and you would never get that if you're just staring down at your phone it's true it's but, true so it's a valuable tool it's something that if you learn to harness it and and are you know wise about it it's very powerful but it can also be something that can ruin your life too yeah no, <laughs> no seriously and it's ruined a lot of people's lives too mm-hmm. yeah. yeah stay away from the noise <laughs> exactly I'll stay away from the noise keep on creating stay uh stay consistent armando fiera mondo bites by the way what what's the name there what's mondo bites i don't know uh, man it's just armando okay <laughs> <laughs> you know you have to brand yourself and it's yeah, like yeah, mondo yeah. bites the, the the real thing and not to go you know too long into this trying to get your Twitter name, your Instagram name. It just, it was impossible. So I figured what can I do that I can have all social handles? Mm -hmm. Mondo bites worked. Perfect. So that, that became your social handle. That became my social Um, handle. That's how people can follow you on everything. At Mondo bites. At Mondo bites. With a Y, not bites. Like I'm going to eat something. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Definitely mega bites. Yeah. Definitely check out Armando's uh, YouTube channel. If you haven't already, Um, I'm sure you've accidentally seen his stuff. It's been suggested to you, I'm sure. Uh, but if you haven't, go check him out on YouTube and give him a comment and say, hey, I listen to this podcast. Uh, but yeah, thanks so much, Armando, for coming in. It was a blast. You know, we'll get some lunch. Thanks, out. man. Yeah, yeah, let's go get some lunch. Yes. <laughs> Sounds good. I hope you guys enjoyed my interview with Armando Fiera. If you did, hit him up on Instagram and Twitter at Mondo Bites and send him a message and say, hey, I loved the interview. This week is Thanksgiving week. Give me the turkey, give me the stuffing, and of course the Black Friday stuff. The team here at Polar Pro and myself would like to wish all of you a happy holiday this weekend. Just enjoy your time with family and friends and don't worry about work. Come on, just give it a break. Enjoy yourself and eat some tasty food. Thanks again for listening to the Golden Hour Podcast. 
podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Dave Mays, here in the Polar Pro Studio, and we'll see you next Tuesday.